Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Thank you. Two Guys Talking is an internet radio show. Podcast. Providing you with complete, detailed, and always educational perspectives when it comes to television, feature films, DVDs, Blu-rays, and the hottest in online entertainment. This week, it's two guys talking... The Call, 2013, starring Holly Berry, directed by Brad Anderson. You are instantly inside a warm, fuzzy blanket of security when you think of the concept of 911. All hell breaks loose, everything goes sideways, and you simply pick up the phone and all things start to become righted. Or do they? We've been using 911 now since 1968, and the system, capabilities, and features continue to build. What are they now? What can we expect in the future? Well, we can't tell you anything about what will happen in the future. We can't tell the future. But we can tell you what Hollywood has offered to you inside of feature films. Do you remember the film The Call from 2013? Tonight, we'll dig in deep with a real-life 911 dispatcher and a real-life crisis negotiator who will tell you what's on and what's Hollywooded up and where everything else is somewhere in between reality and Hollywood. You're going to listen to all of that here inside of a very special perspective review of The Call, 2013, starring Holly Berry, directed by Brad Anderson. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Pat Doring, another co-host. And I'm Lisa Moore, another co-host. And what a pleasure to have both of you. This is a, It's a very special podcast, not just because we're welcoming on a, a new cast member who is a real-life dispatcher in real life. Thanks again for joining us, Lisa. It is a pleasure to be here, Mike. Oh, How many times have you watched this film? Like a uh, thousand? No, just twice. Just twice, okay. And are there other 911 movies that come off the top of your head when you think of movies like this, or just this one? Not even one, just this one. Why is it that Hollywood hasn't picked up on the immediacy and emergency-ness of 911 before now? Because we're not the superheroes. We're not the cops out there in the field that make everything better. We're just the call takers sending them to those calls. Yeah, and it's very funny that we're talking about this now as we record this podcast that happens to be 2019. Uh, but there is a series on television now called 911 that I'm totally unfamiliar with. Oh, it's I know, brutal. Yeah, Pat's seen every single <laughs> yeah. episode. No, I've watched two, two. I think I watched two episodes and I had to quit. It was <laughs> it was too bad. It's pretty far fetched. Far-fetched. Okay, yeah. well, that's exactly why we jump into perspective reviews like this, especially ones that might grace the centers of law enforcement, which this one absolutely does. Uh, let's get into some quick housekeeping real quick. The Fugitive Perspective Review. Not too long ago, I had the pleasure of welcoming not only my regular co-host for What Cops Watch, uh, Chief Christy Giuseppe, but also Super Duper Pat, the negotiator here, a South-serving South Chicago cop named Tommy Model who has the free field training channel, but then also a retired U.S. Marshal. And they all sat around this table inside of this studio, and we captured the perspective review of 1993's The Fugitive. It is a tremendous podcast filled with stories and perspective that you literally can't get anywhere else. And I will encourage all of you to go check it out. You can go listen right now. Well, not right now. After this podcast. 
over at twoguystalking.com forward slash The Fugitive. The Negotiator Perspective Podcast. This was a very special podcast also, mostly because Mark Wahlberg, or I mean uh, Pat Doran right. was actually included yeah. in it. And it really is something special. For those that are completely unfamiliar with the movie The Negotiator, believe it or not, it was really a St. Louis-based story. Right. Pat, give us the, the quick the quick lowdown on the on the story. So it's actually an incident that happened in St. Louis in the mid-'80s, and mm-hmm. we were able to get the hostage-taker, Samuel Jackson, who wasn't really Samuel Jackson, but you know, not even close. But <laughs> yeah. he, actually, he actually came in and uh, he did his review of the movie with basically his true-life story. Yeah, and the neat part of it being true life is really interesting. What I also loved about that perspective review is, is exactly what I love about all the perspective reviews is that it gives you an absolute helping of what's Hollywood and what's real life. And I cannot tell you the difference enough between the two. When Hollywood has the opportunity to add the capital Hollywood into what they make, they always do it. No, absolutely. Uh, Very few times they uh, give you something that is, that even tastes real. And so when it does happen, it's rare, but when it does happen, we really do like to shine it on. That movie and that perspective review is uh, an absolute star inside of the podcast review set. Remember, you can listen to that right now. Well, again, after this podcast over at twoguystalking.com forward slash the negotiator. We've talked about a couple of perspective reviews. It's time to dig deep into the perspective review of The Call. 2013 starring Holly Berry, directed by Brad Anderson. The hype. What do you guys remember in regard to hype for this I'm film? I'm not sure there was any hype, was there? Because until, you, I have to be honest, Lisa, until you'd mentioned it, mm-hmm. I didn't actually know this movie existed. Wow. Yeah, I remember just seeing a couple of trailers on TV or, you know, in between things you're watching on Facebook, mm-hmm. and it was how the call comes in and everything's all crazy, and I thought, mm, it's not going to be real, so I'm probably not going to watch it. Mm. And that it was Holly Barrett, like, what, other than it was your job, did it, this all, it all engage you at all? Not really. Okay. I mean, Holly's fine as an actress, I guess, but as far as the content, I just knew it was not going to be real yeah and i didn't want to waste my time watching somebody think they knew what i was doing behind the mic yeah one again the 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 very interesting thing about this film and many others especially ones that include law enforcement is they give you a showcase pat you know all about this as well right where they'll give a showcase of something in pat's case it's being a negotiator Mm -hmm. okay well the negotiator inside of the movie The Negotiator. He was that was some kick assery. There's no right. question. Yeah, yeah. It was good but Hollywood. Yeah. It was right. it was definitive Hollywood yeah. though. And that's kind of what I mean is we're gonna we're gonna be able to dig in super deep here. Uh, Pat, hype anything for this film at all? Like I said, I I, I don't I don't remember how I came across it. I think maybe I was just scrolling, I saw Holly Berry and I'm like, Oh, I'll watch it. <laughs> and that was pretty the extent of it, you know. So Okay. Uh, Again, I knew nothing about this film until you had mentioned it. I am glad that you did mention it because what we're going to learn and talk about inside this, I think, is going to be really educational for a lot of people across a variety of spectrums, whether it's the layperson that would watch this film as it is on either Amazon or the super duper crackle. Right. Or a police officer that might be interested in what they might get inside of this. Everybody's going to learn something from this. The money. All right, it's time to play Mike's favorite Oof. game show inside of 
every single perspective review, it's where I lean into my co-hosts here. And I asked them, what did this movie make? Pat, we're going to start with you. What did this make domestically? Wow. And begin. I'd like to know what it cost to make, but I won't I got go that there. Too. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to go 65 mil. 65 million. Okay. And what do you got domestic, Lisa? Uh, I would go with maybe closer to 50 mil. 50 million. Okay. Well, you both are way over. Oh, How about that? Yikes. $17 million. Oh, wow. wow. $17 million. I guess that would explain a lot then. <laughs> let's, uh, let's focus on the foreign take. What do you got, Pat? Ooh, so I'm going to probably go 15 then. Okay. Lisa, what do you got? I'm going to bring it down to 10. Okay. So Pat is almost spot on. It was sixteen seven. Yeah, you know. So sixteen million seven hundred thousand dollars for a total of almost sixty nine million dollars. Oh, that's what over I meant. The period of time. I meant total. Now, <laughs> when we look back at this, and we're going to talk about this later on, the cost to make this film was only thirteen million dollars. Well, yeah, and yeah. that's not a whole lot of money, especially not when you really. look at today's movies. Yeah. So a very interesting take for the call. This is definitively a movie that made money, like outright. Right, yeah. And anytime that a movie can make money, traditionally, there is... A sequel. A sequel. We'll talk more about that inside the franchise set of this podcast. (laughs) Every feature film that we watch, without exception, has goods and bads. Let's focus on the good. WWE Pictures. Pat, in the preamble, you and I were talking about the venerable wwe presentations of movies right and i can only name a couple that i really cared anything about and can remember amazingly they both had wrestlers in them yeah shockingly (laughs) yeah the uh, the first one was the marine with john cena yeah the second one was some man hunting movie with cold stone steve austin i don't remember the name of the movie but it was reasonably forgettable uh that's why i can't remember the name of the film uh, Lisa, did you know anything about WWE films at all? No, but I had the same thought as soon as I saw the WWE come up. I'm like, who's the wrestler in this movie? Interesting. Oh, and th- I think that's the funny part is that I don't know that we can identify a wrestler inside of this film. No. There's nobody that's yeah, I mean, Brick House. Right, yeah, I don't think so. And so I don't think that there is one. That's actually our first call to the audience. Do you guys know of a wrestler, whether it be male or female? I didn't even think about that. Maybe there was a female wrestler that was represented someplace. But let us know what you know by going over to our website. Again, that's over at whatcopswatch.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us more about what you know. The Op Center set. Being a 24 fan since day one of 24, I can tell you that the command center of just about any program or movie is often where lots and lots of money and time is spent. Oh, yeah. And what happened inside of this movie was exactly the same thing, where this place is massive. I've never even seen what the The call center looks like in L.A. Have have either of you seen this? Uh, I've not seen L.A.'s, no. I've I've been to New York City's. Okay. And it was fairly, I mean... fairly accurate as far as how how expansive it was oh okay so yeah all right well that's that surprises me what, what else do you know lisa nothing i i've not been to any other comm centers except local here. Hmm. so okay i've never seen anything of that magnitude it's huge interesting i think what i what i caught most was and that it was 2013 i'm reasonably certain that they had modeled some of this off of what happened inside of 24 because the whole 
being zoomed in from far away and having right. the camera move a lot mm-hmm. is very much the advent of every single moment that was inside of 24 when they're in the operations center. Makes you feel that you're there with them. Yeah, no, well, not only that, and how, how kinetic the place mm-hmm. looks. And that that is one thing I did get from every time we were inside the op center, yeah. was that there's always something going on. The uh, the reference to the hive is a I think a perfect reference yeah. because there is always something bustling even yep. when it's quiet in the middle of the night. The awe of Holly. What can you say? I mean, she. I just saw another was a YouTube based program with her in it, but she's still stunning. She she she's is an beautiful. absolutely stunning woman. Oh yes. And inside of this one, she is equally stunning. Yes. She she also has gravitas that I can't quite explain. That you you would think that someone that did Catwoman would get into a movie like this and be lost, right. right? But then you have to remember the other projects that she's been included in and the gravity she brought to those projects. Monsters Ball. Uh, Monsters Ball is a really great sample. She's been in a lot of other things. The uh, the X Men series yeah. is another good sample. Yeah. Where while I think definitively kind of light. Uh, she's definitely there and she's definitely playing yeah. the character. And that's what I got out of all of this is that regardless of whether or not I liked what happened in the story, she was there and she was the character. So she absolutely made her money and gave us something real. Yeah. I, I, and like I said, I think she could on, you know, just looks in w- the way she talked and acted. I think she could pass herself off as a dispatcher. You yeah. Know? I, I mean, that's kind of how you kind of felt. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Her her ability to provide the the want for people to give her pathos while being watched right. as an actress, it's always there. Uh, and it's not just because she's pretty. Right. It's because she's got real acting right. chops. She can and act. it shows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Macking on the balcony. Now, Lisa, I know that when you go take a break out back, you're macking with your significant other out on the on the balcony of the local law enforcement establishment, correct? No. Oh, and just so happens he he's a uniformed police <laughs> in <laughs> uniform, which even makes it even better, right? I mean, right. come on, really? What, uh, Pat, that you're here, it's perfect. What is actually the fraternization rules inside of a situation like that? Do we know? I'm not real sure, but I would hope it would be a little bit like, hmm, probably not at the workplace. <laughs> right. Maybe you know. I, now, now I would get it if like it's it's clearly you know, where smoke breaks happen. Right, or, husband and wife, not, you're you know picking up doing something. You know, she drops something. I, I could see where it's just a casual thing, but when you're actually taking a break and now he's on the balcony with you and you're pretty much just full on making out, you know, right there on the balcony <laughs> where anybody can see. <laughs> right, I, I, right. I would think that would be frowned upon, but you know. One, I, I again, I I understand the want to try and get. The, the word it, uh, compromised is not quite the right word, but I, everybody wants to see Holly Berry either semi-naked or macking with somebody. Right, yeah. And so, so I, guys, I get it. Right, it's almost like I, a throw-in. I, hey. I just, I know that it would have been much more interesting if they would have showcased that, hey, fraternization is frowned upon, and if there's just a glance moment like that. Right. And, and then been, there's something else later on. Yeah. Right. That would have been so much more, yeah, I, that and easier to film. Yeah. And so I, I, I often don't know why Hollywood chooses to do that, except that it's, it's the low-hanging fruit. Well, that and the actor that she got to mac upon yeah. in her break. Definitely a smoking hot man. Yeah, definitely a smoking hot man. And I don't know who he was, but he also had the gravitas, mm-hmm. especially just looking at him. I wasn't so taken by anything that he said during the, yeah. during the movie. Yeah. But he, he has good. the looks. He yeah. definitely has the looks. Regular callers. 
Lisa, this is a question for you, really. Are there regular callers that just on spur of the moment they call in and go, hey, what's going on, Lisa? Absolutely. We have we call them frequent flyers. Oh, wow. We hear them from them quite often, whether they're calling about a, another car parked on the street or hmm. the same dog barking. You know, we, we know them by name. They know us by name. And it happens every single day. I would not have anticipated that. Oh, yeah. And I think it's really important to also note that you work in a much smaller environment than what is seen inside the film. And so that you also have a frequent flyer, frequent caller, I think is an interesting trend and, and hallmark of what happens inside the 911 systems. That was one of the things in the movie that I really liked that they touched upon because no matter how big your department is, you know, it doesn't have to be a million people. It can just be a few thousand, but you're going to have that one person that you're going to recognize just by their voice, even mm-hmm. if they don't tell you what their name is. Yeah. You're like, oh, hello. How are you doing today? Yeah. And I, I, I love seeing that. And again, it's those tiny little trends that are not only a piece of truth, mm-hmm. but all truth, regardless of the size of the operation. Mm-hmm. I love that. Right. And, and the other thing was they kind of, as you're going through it, they did the crazy calls, too, which we all get. <laughs> You know, yes. like the, you know, the bat flying in the bedroom and the little woman screaming and you're like, yeah. well, what's going on? Well, it's just a bat. But, you know, to yeah. them, it's like that's the kind of stuff we deal with. People just don't realize, you know, mm-hmm. they're calling the police because there's a bat in their bedroom, you know. So, I mean, it, it kind of like made it more realistic to me. Yeah. One, it's funny that you mentioned that because the scene that they bring that in, that's after the initial traumatization of, of Holly Berry as a, as a dispatcher. And when she she hears, oh, my God, there's a bat. And, of course, everybody thinks, oh, so it's a dude swinging, ready to swing right. a bat and murder somebody or right. something. Well, it's not. It's a bat. You know, right. tweet, tweet. <laughs> Very interesting. The blinky staging light. I didn't know what to call it here, but it essentially looks like a, a light that's on the ass end of a boat that looks like it has three areas right, on yeah. it. I didn't know what that was. We don't have that. That's That would be calls that are in queue, working in call centers in the past. When it's blink and red, that means you've got calls set in queue to take a new call out. Okay. When it's in green, you're pretty much good to go. Everybody's caught up. Mm. But when it starts to flash, then you know, you got calls piling up. Okay. I, and I thought that was incredibly interesting, mostly because I, I love all the things that are awareness things, even if it's on just a screen, sure. but environmental things that give a general status of things that always excites me, regardless of the environment, because mm-hmm. it instantly adds a piece of atmosphere that you wouldn't get otherwise. Right. Showcasing real life errors. As a former certified sign language interpreter for the deaf, one of the things I know I benefited from wildly was being thrown into the deep end of the pool when I was learning to become an interpreter. And it's not because I felt like I was drowning, though there were times when I was. It was never anything emergency, though. They would, they would let me drown intentionally, but never when something, someone's life was in danger. Or, but they would. They would, let, they would throw you into the deep end of the pool and let's see what happens. Can he shine or not? And they show that inside of this wonderfully, right. where there is a, a new nine one one dispatcher, Proby, yep. who is she's in the pocket, she's right in the pocket, and she gets smacked across the head with a situation that she just can't physically handle. And so the the handoff of that, I thought it was kind of clunky, but I thought it was really great to show it. And I wish more programs and movies would do that. Because it's not all, look at me, be awesome and heroic. Right. There's always the, oh shit moment where you kind of screwed the pooch or you don't know what to do. And so now what happens? 
And when a movie or a television show bothers to take the time to show that, mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. It gives a human aspect to it because we're all fallible. And in that situation, it was awesome that the, the probie knew I can't handle this and, mm -hmm. and tried to hand it off, which she did and, and was able to sit back and then learn. Yeah. Well, and I, that was the other piece that was a real life, a real life error in that not only did she rec recognize that she just couldn't do it, but then she did sit back and watch and listen and not freak out and right. go in a corner and curl up into a ball. I love that. I love that because it's real. She it really run, is real. Shouldn't run off to the quiet room and, and gather <laughs> right. herself. And she stayed and watched. <laughs> right. Yeah, we may as well throw that in here too because I didn't make it a separate bullet point. But the quiet room, for those that are curious or haven't seen the film, there's an actual designated space right. for the people that work inside of this environment to go and chill slash scream into a pillow yeah. slash right. yeah. yeah decompress. There you go. Break the, break the sand. Those. You know, break the sand. <laughs> We have no sand to rake, and we have no room to go cry in. <laughs> we stay at our comm center, and we continue to dispatch. Yeah, and I would be very curious to know if there are programs, especially smaller programs, that have something like that at all. I, I think that there is a whole lot of grit and bear it and move on right. and, and I get think, to the next one. I just one. think it's because of staffing. that Most right. of them can't have, you know, have full staff as it is, much less be able to just, oh, I have to take a quiet room break so just yeah hold, pause we'll just pause while yeah. you know no 911 calls right now we have yeah. to take a moment I, the whole thing though i i'm reasonably certain that that's real oh yeah if, yeah. We, if we were to yeah, go to definitely somewhere the, in la in the, yeah the there's bigger, gonna be a room like that the bigger areas like that i guarantee have those those places yeah well, but, and the bigger comm centers even here in st louis i mean they actually get lunch breaks and because they have so many people staffed they have the time to get up and go and have lunch away from their desks mm -hmm. whereas the muni's out here we don't have that option we we sit and eat at our desks sure you know sure there's no breaks <laughs> yeah and again that it's 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 the comparison of what is and what is hollywood mm -hmm. i love that the question of camaraderie the camaraderie shown inside of this lisa is that what we're going to see and experience inside of a, a 911 dispatch office absolutely i have two partners i work with we we have two different crews that we work opposite one another mm -hmm. and I'm with them more than I'm with my own family. So mm. there's definitely a camaraderie between us. They're my best friends. That's tremendous. It's also a piece of just about everything that's made inside of Hollywood that they often get right. And the best part of having that camaraderie is I, I know my limitations and my partner knows them too. And we complement each other well because we work off of one another. And it's perfect when you have that closeness, you know, when someone's struggling or, mm -hmm. or not. And yeah. it's great to know that somebody's got your back. Yeah. Especially on big calls. When, what I really loved about this, I, 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 don't, I didn't look up her name, whether the character name or the actress name, but the, uh, the older black lady with the white hair inside right, of this supervisor, was, was yeah. tremendous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed just, uh, she didn't even have to say anything. Nope. Just that the presence was there, I thought was spectacular, and uh, the quiet little moments where it's the not talking her down, not talking Holly Berry off the ledge, but definitely calming her when she needed it. I thought it was tremendous. Right. Yep. The value of trends and teaching. One of the things I think all three of us can agree to is, Pat, I think you're right in my wheelhouse of age. I'll be 50 in April. Yeah, I'm just now turning 35, but that's okay. Oh, oh I forgot. Yeah, so right. sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, you're yeah. you're 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 close. Yeah. The, uh, the 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 gist though is that especially as we get into what are more seasoned years, is that teaching 
suddenly becomes not only uh, important and valued in your own perspective. Oh, yeah. But you'll find that many people will begin to look to you without any solicitation of your own to help them do something. Right. And it is a very interesting realization. And I thought that the the carryover from I'm a distressed, kind of losing my shit dispatcher inside of this into teaching, I thought it was handled very well. Yeah. The, the only thing I, I didn't care for, and they do this inside of movies every every single time there's always got to be the moment where they crack open a locker and lo and behold it's their achilles tendon that's taped inside the locker and i really don't like that there is a there is a sense of moving on and making sure that things that used to impact you don't impact you anymore and i don't know anybody that would leave something like that up as some sort of sick lesson to yourself a reminder I, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. And it's, again, I get it. It totally plays to the Hollywood. Right. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't foster in really good self-preservation instincts Correct. inside of an environment like this that requires self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Lisa, you and I had talked about this, I know, a couple of times when we were talking about you bringing up your own, your own podcast. It literally is the people don't understand the fight of self-preservation inside of your job at all. Right, and in, in our jobs, it's for myself anyway, I compartmentalize a lot. Right. I mean, I've had some really traumatic calls that have come in, and I wrap it up in a nice little box and, and tuck it away, and that keeps me from stressing about what happened to or what happened during, and it's all compartmentalized. It's all yeah. all tucked away, and I don't have to deal with it again. And, 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 and not to interrupt you, but no. that's what I would have loved to have seen inside right. of this film. Yeah. If you really want to show me the power of Holly Berry, mm-hmm. show me that. Right. Show me, it doesn't even have to be computer graphicized, mm-hmm. but show me the compartmentalization that's showcased inside of a skill set of a very seasoned 911 dispatcher. Right. Real life example is when you take a 911 call and you hear from a parent who has a child who's choking. And when child, children choke, there's no sound. And as soon as that baby cries, every single time it happens to me, the tears pop into my eyes, but I still have to keep my control right. and make sure that everything's okay. I can get off the call, and then I take a deep breath. It's in its little box now, and I can move to the next call. But every single time that happens, you just have to swallow it down and yeah. then move on. And that's one yeah. thing they didn't really show. They showed her running off to the quiet room and being able to deal with it. But in real life, you go from call to call, and you have to deal yeah, you know, you I, had the luck. it's so funny that you mentioned that. I was just watching, a, there's a, a series of uh, YouTube videos that are available. We'll link up to a series of them that I've found. And they're usually from, I want to say from Variety Magazine. Uh, anyway, there are YouTube videos where they go and they grab someone real life, not unlike what we do. Right. And they only just started doing this, so I'm hoping that we pioneered this back yeah, in I'm sure the early probably, aughts. We did. But it's where you go and you get people, and in this case it was an astronaut. And she was talking about the movie Gravity. Right. And when the abort command comes in, when you're an astronaut, there is no thinking. Right. There is, you instantly snap to action and do what you're supposed to do when the abort command comes in. And it's very much exactly what you just said, Lisa, where there is a series of training and SOPs, standard operating procedures, that are heeded and followed, especially when time is of the essence. Mm -hmm. And I I love that, and I would have loved to have seen more of that than what was done here Hollywooded. Right. I agree, me too. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's something else that caught my attention, too. Inside of this, there's actually what feels like a, a series of testing the new people. Like, they're, they're going to put them through their, their paces as new people. Right. right. Is there something like that inside of the dispatch cone, or do you just get to take on calls? When we release them from listening to us do all the calls and everything, we do let them, we call it sink or swim. And then they have to handle the call. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. that's and, great. Or the 911 call or whatever. And one of my dispatchers that I was training way a long time ago, she got her very first 911 call. And so I'm watching, and this was before I could piggyback with her and listen to the call. So mm -hmm. I had no idea what the person was saying. Sure. And she was trying to hear what he was saying. He was heightened, of course, because it's a 911 call. Mm -hmm. And then he hung up. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I call him back. And ask him what's going on where she was hearing him say that he was talking about his son he was actually talking about a gun and he was going to hurt himself mm -hmm. and so i'm like tell me what's going on that was her very first 911 call was a suicide attempt oh wow and uh unfortunately it was success successful mm -hmm. but it was i mean that she's going to remember that forever oh yeah it's her very first call Wow. And we play it all the time in CIT trainings. So. Yeah. One, well, yeah. if nothing else, uh, yeah. there's your benefit is that eventually it becomes a piece of training that right. someone else can listen to and, right. and be she, made aware of. You know, that was that was her sink or swim. And wasn't that she sunk at all. He hung up on her. Yeah. So being the seasoned dispatcher, I called back and tried to get a little more information because nothing was, it wasn't quite jiving. What was, yeah. Was well, and it's funny that you mentioned hanging up too. We'll, we'll strike that because I didn't put that into the into our outline either. But inside of this, there's a crucial point point where a girl is being abducted right and, and that's why i was kind of uh -huh. like okay so there's a burglary in progress we know the person's she basically says the person's in the house and the, and the little girl hangs up so we decide we're going to redial the phone the little girl told her he was out of the house she because she followed uh jordan's instructions by throwing the shoes out the window and everything yeah, yeah she's like he's gone now he's not here anymore so when the phone call disconnected i think that's why jordan called her back because she thought the guy the threat was gone mm. and he was I, I have to go back and look at the cadence yeah. of it yeah but i still well and it, it's i think it's also something where somewhere inside a protocol Right. Th well, there should be something that speaking says of that, if, that's why we're doing this whole text to 911 thing now is basically yeah. for incidents like this, well, yeah. you know, where we won't have, you know, rings going off or anything. It'll just mm -hmm. be texting. Now yeah. they may still have phone, but hopefully if they're texting, they got all this stuff turned off and now you can just text to them and have, and there's no voice, you know, there's no sounds and it's going to make it safer for those people who are maybe trapped in a closet where someone's broken into their house. Yeah. And unfortunately in this movie, it was a landline that she was calling. Right. Yeah. She had a cordless phone. Right. Yeah. They have it populated where she's at, which is good because landlines do that, whereas cell phones don't. And so when Jordan called the phone number back, it rings the house phone. So you're, what house doesn't have more than one phone? And, you know, it rang all over the house. Right. And, of course, bad guy finds her. Right. Well, and you and to go back because the phone gets answered. Well, and that's, that's kind of where I wanted to go with the point. Uh, there's something that Pat mentioned also that strikes me particularly is being able to call 911 with text instantly opens up 911 for the deaf and hard of hearing community. Right. My wife exactly. happens to be deaf. Yes. yes. And so it, it really is a door that opens that was simply not there before, uh, hardly at all. And, and uh, again, I love those advents of technology that then bleed accidentally into other areas that nobody really thought of before. Right. And a lot of people don't realize that they can text to 911 now. And it's still a little clunky, but each it gets it's getting better and better. 
Yeah, that's very cool. And the deaf community, they had the TDD before, Mm -hmm. and that could be clunky because you have one person who's the deaf person calling the TDD operator to get the information to the dispatcher. So it's like so many middlemen. And now with texting, it's direct, too. Yeah, that's very interesting, too, because the uh, the relay calls that would come through 4911 would also be just a spaghetti Mm -hmm. situation. I mean, like, that if you thought it was a nightmare before... Wow, I can only I can only imagine that. Now the only the only if I can say it only negative is if you do have like a I'm putting myself back in the negotiator's shoes is imagine negotiating via text is not the easiest thing to do because yeah. you have no voice inflection. Now right. you're just going oh, off out of, the window. Yeah. Now you're basically just going off of words, you know, yeah. and what what are well, these words meaning? Uh, more importantly, attention Absolutely. span. Right. How, especially with short short little choppy pieces of right. sentences, very rough, very rough. The five-mile radius countdown. This is very interesting. I, and this is the, the squeeze play that Hollywood continues to make on things that aren't always necessarily real world, mm-hmm. but that they, they throw in that there is, the, in the, uh, it's the uh, supervisor that right, throws this yeah. in. And I think what was it because it was a burner phone. Wasn't that yeah, something? It was a track phone. Track phone or something like that. Yeah, That's within a, the with, reasoning it, or... it will only be able to determine where they are within a five-mile radius because it was a burner phone right. rather than... Your standard issued phone. Right. And that's partially true and not true because even with regular cell phones and we have to ping the phone or we call the the carrier to ping the phone for us, they still get a radius. They don't get an exact location. Yeah. They get close to it, closer possibly than a track phone, but there's still a radius around. Yeah. It's not like uh, the the tiles you can buy for your stuff that you can attach to it and it'll find it within two feet. It's not like that. I also want to caution people that want to get apps and stuff for their cell phones so they can give them to their kids. What I've also seen recently, too, is you can chip your kid, which (laughs) I I guess. Right. I I, I hate that we've become that society already, but... The, the fact is that those things, those do come down to very small areas oh, yeah. where if someone was in a room, well, you would know that they're in yep. the room. Right. right. Th- that's, a, that's a very in- interesting technology that's only going to get more and more detail as time goes oh, by. Yeah. Let's go to the movies. All right. So just throwing it out there, Lisa, we're on, you're on a call with, with what in this case is called a PR, and you're talking to the PR and you decide to use, hey, what's your favorite movie? Let's go to the movies. Would that ever be something that comes out of your face inside of a 911 call? No. No. And so what was the... That's what, When stuff like that is in a movie like this, I don't get it. Because I'm not, I'm not familiar at all with your job. But Shoot. just common sense would say that's not something that would ever be spoken from an operator to this person. No, and I get what they were trying to do in that... She was trying to calm the girl down and get her focused on something else so that she could do what the character Jordan, Holly Berry's character, was asking Mm -hmm. her to do. Mm -hmm. And I've done that in a very different way. We had that snowstorm or icy night not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And a young lady called in and she says, I'm about to have a panic attack. And I could hear her anxiety just going through the roof. Mm -hmm. And so knowing some CIT training and stuff, I was able to jump on her anxiety and say, tell me what you see. And she's like, I see the cops up there, but they're not helping me. I said, they're helping people. What else do you see? And then once I started asking her all the different things she could see around her, her anxiety came back down. Mm. So I Mm. use tools like that to help the situation calm it down. Telling someone to calm down does not work ever, ever. 
they just get angry. <laughs> um, you can ask them to breathe, take deep breaths. And um, I, with that young lady, I said, I'm going to take a deep breath with you. Come on, let's do it. And she uh, that's did. very interesting. It worked, but I would have so never did asked you, her what her movie was. Right. Did, did you maybe ask her, have you ever seen the movie The Call, the Call. with Halle Berry? Right. No. No? <laughs> okay. Because you would have driven her anxiety way through the roof. <laughs> right. <laughs> Michael Imperioli. Holy shit. There's Michael Imperioli, guys. For those that don't know Michael Imperioli, that's Christopher from The Sopranos. Right, yeah. Easily one of my favorite on-cable television programs that totally deserves a complete perspective review as soon as Pat can find the Goomba unit Oof. inside of whatever law enforcement right. yeah. department, because I would review every single one of those episodes. That is a phenomenal show with so many different layers oh, yeah. and characters and storylines. It's tremendous. And here is Michael Imperioli. Wow. I was absolutely blown away, and we'll get more to that in just a little bit. Scrambled Brain Showcase Music. One of the things I have to absolutely tip my hat to inside of this is the usage of music, but also how it's heard. Yeah. They have distressed the music as it's being played so as to, at least in my opinion, so as to give you an indication of what the person, the crazy hearer, is actually hearing when the music is playing. Right. And I thought it was tremendous. Mm, it instantly provides you uh, an auditory uh, an auditory perspective mm -hmm. that you would not have otherwise, where you could just be showing this kind of crazy guy kind of shaking weirdly and sweating. Right. You can right. show all that. Right. But when you remove yourself from that and you have music playing and there's something not quite right, I thought that that was a genius move inside of this. I thought so, too. It, I mean... The acting, it, I mean, it took for him because he didn't say anything. Right, and all you, right. And all you had were these visuals of, of him, like you said, being crazy. Right. But that music fills all those feelings in. I think that was amazing. Yeah, and it, it happens in at least two or three different places. The mm -hmm. first one I remember is uh, as after Imperioli is introduced and it's, it all starts to descend from there. He's got the second victim inside his lair and inside of that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's where it was even more creepy. Yeah, what right. that reminded me very much of is the, it puts the lotion yeah, little, on the basket. Right. Little, little silence of the lambs. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just a little. And, and it was. It was excellent. They really picked a really great crazy. And the, and the, the flavor of crazy ice cream here I thought was just delectable. Lisa, I have another question for you. Okay. Have you ever seen a giant picture of the person you're speaking to in 911 on the screen in front of you? No, never. Why not? What's going on? We got to talk to the guy that's in charge of budgeting. Pat? I don't think there's been a giant one, but we could pull up a, <laughs> a thumbnail size photograph of the guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, but I'm not real sure what the purpose of pulling up a well, giant size picture I, of the Again, dude is. I know nothing of your job, Lisa, but what a terrible move. Yeah, I don't, I'm not real sure. I don't understand how this could possibly help someone yeah. like Lisa. Well, Lisa, look at the picture of the person the that guy, is. Then right. I can go out and catch him. Yeah. <laughs> not going to happen. It, it was astounding to me. Well, both the victim and and the criminal, right. both. I I did not get that at all. No. That was terrible. <laughs> the Imperioli factor. All right. Well, we're going to talk about Michael Imperioli again, real quick, because guys, look, there's Michael Imperioli from the, the from, Sopranos. Uh, Sopranos. You got to be kidding me. Right. There's no way he's going to die in this movie. <laughs> oh. The gas station Samaritan. Wow. Oof, yeah, if there was, was ever brutal. a scene that this movie will be known for, yeah. that's likely it. Yeah. And what I am horrified by, but also entertained by, is how stupid simple this scene is, 
but how stupid simple this scene is. Because for any crazy that's out there, this is a very commonsensical formula here. Where if somebody gets close enough to you or you're able to incite somebody to come close enough to you and then you simply yank out the gas nozzle from your car and start to bathe them and then you whip out the Zippo and they're a giant pile of flame. Uh, now, don't the gas pumps have that to where that's not possible? That's why you have to throw it in your... I, I don't think that's accurate at all. I've spilled gas immemorable. Where we just... Shoots out like that, though? Yeah. Really? Well, the, the sample is, uh, when was the last time you filled the gas can? Been a long time. Okay. So, yeah. Well, if you go and fill a gas can, guess what happens when you take the nozzle and you put it into the gas can and you squeeze? That's true, yeah. Gas can come So, out. as much as uh, I, I... I was just thinking more old school. Yeah, I could see old school gas yeah, tank where there, you can just basically yeah, yeah. shoot it for, you know, miles. But I would think more, there would be a limit to how far that would actually... I mean, I'm, I'm sure it goes out, but I, I can't well, sure. see it, like, but spraying, it, you know? Right, but if I'm standing from where Pat and I are about two and a half, three feet Yeah, that's other, probably about If distance, I just extend yeah. my arm, I'm it's, now a foot and a half right. from you with the nozzle. And yeah. even if a little bit gets on you... Oh, yeah. Uh, it's you? fire. Yeah, right. right. And I think that's what I, I take from this, is that, again, incredibly gratifying and entertaining scene, but horrific right. death. It's one of those things where somebody sees it on television, and I'm kind of surprised... This has never been emulated outright someplace. Right. Uh, again, it reminds me of the whole lay down in traffic movie. I forgot what movie it was. Was that Friday Night Lights? Uh, no, it was... Um... Gridiron something? It was, a, it was a teenage football movie. I would think that it would turn into something very much like that movie, uh, the, the program. The I program, think it was right, yeah. And where the, those kids laid down in traffic, and so some idiot kids saw that and decided to do it in real life, and not surprisingly got run over by cars. Right, and then they actually basically deleted that whole scene because i remember seeing that in the it, movie theaters yeah it was the ret it was the retconning right. of the scene that needed to be removed right. and Absolutely. then when it came out on dvd it was totally gone, gone and yeah. erased right yeah. yeah and i'm i'm really surprised but but again an incredibly impactful scene that instantly now if somebody says hey do you remember seeing a movie that had a scene where a guy gets set ablaze from right. a, a, a fuel dispenser inside of a gas station yep frequency change out for intel this is very interesting. So Holly Berry is talking to, in this case, now the second would-be victim. And during the call, she's flipping switches and whatever else to get to a different frequency so that she can speak to, in this case, her boyfriend. But to another channel, is that something that's often done like that? Not really. I, we have a couple of channels we can I have on my radio system where I can talk directly to my officers. Right. We do have backup channels that mm -hmm. we can use but if i go to that one then i can't hear the first one and it seemed like in her situation she could hear everything that was going on everywhere and then we also have uh, mutual aid where we can go out to all the agencies around us and point to point which is when things are going down the highway and we need to give it to other agencies mm. so the capability to do more than one frequency is there but you and we do switch back and forth on our own but you can't hear both at the same time if you're keyed up on it. Very interesting. And I, I think there's a there's another question I had in here, too, that's kind of in the same vein. If you have the would-be victim on the line, and then you are instructing officers to do blah, 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 cool police people thing, blah, mm -hmm. are you muting the victim? If I get to the button quick enough, sure. Okay, but, more, but in general, would you just leave it open and they get to hear what you're saying? 
Yes. I think it just goes on the capability of what your comm center has. Right. Okay. Like ours, obviously, is not going to have the capability of LAPD, but yeah. you know, like LAPD, they're going to mute it just so the victim can't hear all the stuff that's going on. You know, just to, it's just going to cause more confusion to yeah, them no, as agree. they're talking to the officers. Yeah. So well, they just simply hurry up. And I, like I'm sure theirs is probably just a little button right by them. Yeah. 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 Now on our 911 systems, when we get a 911 call in and say I transferred over to medics to get them in route as well, because we only dispatch for police mm -hmm. and st charles county dispatches for the other two agencies fire and ems i will put them on mute and still listen to what's going on and i can give my officers uh play by play mm. if i need to like mm. if they're doing cpr before they get there or whatever because we've had our officers arrive before ems and actually administer the cpr and save the life wow because they're supermen of course they are <laughs> with the capes that's right. right and the crisis negotiators even above that <laughs> The skewed reality of a disturbed mind in the lair. Again, I have to tip my total hat to what is conveyed inside of this movie, both before they get in the lair, but then especially when they get inside the lair. If you thought Silence of the Lambs delivered with impact towards the end of the film, one of the largest uppercuts inside of this film, I think, is the lair right. itself. And, but it, it kind of goes back to just me being a serial killer buff, which is, you know, it's its own story, but... How many really serial killers had a lair? That's what I would really like to know. Because for the most part, I think it's almost all Hollywooded up. I mean, if you John think about Casey. it, you know, but did he have a lair? He really, I don't think he really Dahmer's did. Dahmer's apartment was a Dahmer's lair. Yeah, yeah, Dahmer, yeah. Look, what do you know, man? Right, yeah. No, but I, I mean, I, mean I, I totally get what you're saying. But it was their apartment. It wasn't like it was a separate... I mean, I think, a lair. Like right, right. Yeah. I mean, now maybe I think those two guys in California actually had like an underground bunker. That's yes. about the only ones I can think of, like... Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe it's more of a Hollywood thing. It may it yeah, adds to the creepiness. Though, you know what you I know? think it is. I, I just watched. Uh, for those of you that haven't seen it, I totally recommend the. It's either Netflix. It's Netflix. Mindhunter. No, uh, I wasn't a big fan of Mindhunter, but the, there's a series of specifically focusing on Ted Bundy. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a mini series. I think yeah. it's six or eight right. pieces. Yeah. And it is tremendous. And it's not tremendous because, boy, I love me some Ted Bundy. Right. It's tremendous because of the detail that's given about the the maniacal brain that was at right. work. Right. And when I think of the maniacal brain, the maniacal brain instantly gravitates toward, well, of course, he'd have his own castle of death. And I don't think that he did. No. no. He had places that he would take people, right. but he did not have his own castle. Right. And it just, it makes more sense, especially inside of a Hollywooded up thing, to have a lair. Right. I think, it, like I said, I think it adds to the creepiness of the... Oh, there's no the, question. You know. Yeah. Well, and Bundy's creepiness was his VW bug that he had no seat yeah. in the passenger side, so that he could throw his victim right there, and she's down for the count, and nobody knows the difference yeah you know yeah another great stellar law enforcement thing where it's a broken taillight that gets bundy pinched right yeah so that, that that's tremendous lisa another question for you can you extend your shift to stay on because hey why not no <laughs> i can't i i mean if i need to stay if there's a hot call right at the end of my shift mm -hmm. and i stay over for it more than likely my lieutenant's going to be fine with that right pat Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. It's just not a willy nilly. Hey, I yeah. just want to hang around for a couple more hours and see what happens. <laughs> now, you know? I have hung around just on my own time because I I need to know how it it but you know pans out how the sure. call will pan out and I do that on my own time. And how often do calls transfer off like that? Where not often. Not often. No. Okay. Because uh -uh. I would think it would have to be pretty pretty electric for yeah. you to stick around. Well, when I leave my shift, uh, 
the not overnight girl is by herself. So if mm. if something hot's going on at one o'clock in the morning when I'm ready to go, I'm not going to leave her there. By Secondhand, herself. right? Yeah, yeah, I get it. No, that's that's very well said. What we're referring to is inside this movie, Holly just apparently decides to stay on for a couple hours. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind seeing things like that because I want to foster people that want to work. Awesome, that's great. I just don't see that ever happening and being greenlit. It does happen on occasion. It all depends on the call itself. Mm. Something like this, if that was happening, you know, towards the end of my shift, and I'm, I'm the one who built the rapport with the the victim. Mm-hmm. I I can't imagine any one of my supervisors saying, "No, nah, get off the phone." Look, Pat Wahlberg would walk in there and right. shut that. I mean, that I just down. like I said, I think it just depends on you know looking at real real time. How long has a person been there? You know, mm-hmm. we don't want them there 14, 15 hours. Right. right. Now, now, what are they going to do? How if something does kick back on? Now we're going to rely on that person who's obviously sleep deprived. Yeah. They may not realize that, but you know. Let's jump to negotiation real quick. I know that you've been you've actually taken part in some rather extended negotiations. Right. And yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a big thing actually. And we just had this discussion. St. Louis County had like a twenty something hour one. Wow. And they handled wow. it themselves, and they realized that because we were kind of their backup, and they realized that wow, you know what, we probably should have called for backup. So so we kind of did like a thing, and from what I've gathered kind of the standard if there's such a thing is probably about 10 hours for one guy you know, and that's not even counting if the guy worked a shift or anything you know right. i may have worked some half of my day but yeah 10 hours pretty much is about the limit so and i would almost say like eight hours because it's amazing even four hours feels like you've ran a marathon and, you yeah. know and add some more time to that and it, you don't really get that exhaustion until after you're done oh, and i would guess that also it depends on the density of the call right it's somebody yeah. that really where you've got to do a whole bunch of very interesting jockeying right, rather yeah. than not. I can yeah. imagine that. It's got all of the, the uh, everything that's around that call, you know, whether you got a barricaded subject or whatever. I He's called us, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning saying, hey, I just got a call out, put me out at wherever he's going. And I'm, I shake my head going, man, you just had a whole day here and barely probably got to sleep, and now you're back out at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it's not just... Well, that's what they do. Yeah. That's what they do, right? Well, we, that's what we try, yeah. But like I said, most people don't realize that, you know, like, you know, days just don't end, you know, and it's not just me, it's everybody else probably had to work that day or night, you know, and it's just oh, yeah. like, you know, when when the uh, call comes, you just got to go. Yeah, know? and so. again, to dive into the whole getting older thing, I, I, I just this last couple of years, I can't just go, okay, well, I guess I'll all night it tonight. <laughs> I, I can, but then probably 17, 18 hours in, yeah. it's wall time. Like, right. yeah, I see, have to be near a bed some. I haven't got so there done. yet for some reason. I don't know what it is. I still have that that switch. And once I get it, I can flip it, and I'm on. Yeah. And I don't know how long that's going to last, but yeah. it's it's lasted I, for a while. And obviously, my hurry up and make some money web design is a lot different than your negotiating right. inside of right. the criminal element. But right. Anyway, again, I love the pieces parts that we see inside of this. I just wish they would have taking it in a different direction right revisiting past calls lisa are you revisiting past calls does it become a piece of obsession or does it help you think back to learn about what a call where a call went and so it guides you on the next one or not yes and no i mean we take something from each of those traumatic calls and use it for our future calls and Mm. i revisit Mm. some of my calls because i help in training and I can pull from my experience with the new person saying, hey, we had this call this one time and this is how we handled it. It went down perfectly. Is it going to go down perfect every time? No, because every time is different. But I can at least give you my knowledge from that prior call. 
you know, and, and I learn the next time if a call doesn't go quite the way I wanted it to, then the next time I get that type of call, I'm going to handle it a little bit differently. All right. So l let's twist it like Holly's character did inside this, though. Mm -hmm. Do you ever go back and pick out your worst, whoops, I screwed the pooch call and remember that often? Not so much. Okay. I've let those go because you got to move on. You know, right. And, and, gonna... and that's one of the things inside of Hollywood that just does not happen. No. Right. And I understand the value or at least the perceived value that Hollywood brings. I'll use the Academy Award winning Top Gun as a great sample. Right. Where Maverick can't let go of the past. He Poor just goose. can't let go because of Goose. Poor Goose. And everybody knows the rest of the story. Right. But oh, the, the, the gist is that we all have to eventually move on. And being barricaded yourself in with memories right. fosters nothing good right. at all. Now, it would have been more believable if they would have, because, you know, the brain works weird. You never know what triggers. Like, there's a lot of things that I know I forgot, and then for some reason, something will trigger, and all of a sudden I'll bring back that memory. And it's not like it's, oh, my gosh, it's just one it's of those things It's always not debilitating. Yeah. And then that's the other piece that I didn't, I, right. I really didn't care for. Because for as powerful an actress as Holly Berry is, and as much as I like to see her act, what I don't want her to be is debilitated because right. of memories. Right. right. And unfortunately, I think there was more debilitation because of the memories. Yeah. yeah. And not because of the crazy inside of this. Right. right. And I don't, I don't think that that was, if I had a giant detractor, and we'll get to the negatives, but if there was a giant detractor, that was probably it. Mm -hmm. Because what, what is she actually haunted by inside of this movie? What is she really fearful of? That she's going to let somebody else down. Right. Yeah. But not the crazy? And that's where I right. that's where I went off the cliff. Yeah. Well, in, in her character, whenever she, the first call happened and that hap what happens to our first victim, when she gets that second call with the second victim with the same guy, and he used that same phrase that he mm -hmm. used the first time, Right. it's like she was brought right back to that first traumatic experience. But at the same time, because of that, she was able to say, this is our same guy. I know that voice. I know what he said before. Yeah. And we have that where I work even. Yeah. You know? even and, and I love that. Yeah. That's what I really wanted to see more focus on. Uh -huh. I wanted to see that. And you do get this. You do understand that she recognizes that it's the same voice. Mm -hmm. But other than maybe a couple of accidental times mentioning it, right. it's not really focused on. And what, what, Pat, what kind of a response of that is solicited inside of a, a police organization in general when the literal operator that was on the phone of this other heinous case six months ago right. recognizes that it's probably the same guy because of the phraseology? Yeah. What, what happens as a response? Anything? I mean, I would, I would think that, number one, it's like, okay, we already know this girl's handled this one, so why would we let her handle this one again? Where where, where is somebody else to take this over, you know? Because you could just tell the why she was already freaking out. You know, are you going to let her continue to handle this call? Because she basically froze at one point. You oh, know, yeah. She, she freezes. A couple of times, I think. You know, she's freezing, so it's like, okay, wait a minute. So we know this is the same guy she's already dealt with, and they really didn't get into it. It was almost like a... The incident happened. Let's flash forward. You know, and I hated that. Right, yeah. I let's, absolutely hated it. It was it was a flash forward because right. it was uncomfortable. But he would be. And I didn't care for that. I would buy this more than it disturbed her if they actually showed her maybe dealing with this. You know, what? How did she deal with it? Yes. How did she deal yes. with it for that time period? And if they showed, man, she's really having a tough time. All this stuff she's going through, then it would be more believable. Right. As far as when she hears that voice again, it's like a trigger. Right. Oh my gosh! You know, now it's bringing her back. So then they, they kind of lost that by just fast-forwarding it, yeah, I think. Yeah, they kind of brushed it aside. They want you to know that she recognized it, but they didn't delve into it. And the thing is, like like Pat was just saying, 
if they could have just kind of tapped her out and let somebody else take over the call, but she's still there as the person who had taken the original call, you know, and know what yeah, to just, look for. Yeah, just include her, but don't let her handle let the her same thing. Well, she froze. We'll, we'll definitely revisit this in the negatives because there's a bunch of other things that I wanted to lay in on that. But that It's an excellent, excellent point from both of you. The flagpole hallmark. This was tremendous, and it reminded me very much of The Fugitive because The Fugitive has a giant light bulb moment inside of it also when... They hear the L, the elevated right. train sound. Yes. Yep. And so I love little elements like this that are tucked inside of movies, even when they're reasonably over the head. And be honest. Because as, as the guy that listens to lots and lots of things. Did you recognize those, that as a flagpole? Yes. Right I did, I did yeah. too. And that's what was, it was just kind of, yeah. and what brought me back was, I remember because I used to be one of the guys that pulled the flag yeah, up put the in, flag in up. elementary yep. school. Same here. And I just remembered yeah. the, the sound. And that's yeah. one of those distinct sounds. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was kind of cool they brought that in. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And I, I even liked it later on inside of the scene that I hated that we'll eventually get to. But the, the flagpole hallmark I thought yeah. was tremendous inside I agree. Of this. Yeah. The look of the LAPD. Yeah, and this is something I, I maybe it's just me. I get real picky, it especially is about you. tactics. <laughs> I mean, just if you're gonna if you're gonna make a law enforcement movie, be real. You know, use tactics, use the right uniforms, the right cars, the right equipment. And I'll actually say they were pretty spot on with this as far as LAPD. You know, they had the you know the badges, LAPD. You know, they had the the uniforms. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's you know when you get some of these other movies where they just you know they'll have like the stripes upside down or the you know the badge on the wrong and it's just the stuff that really just irks you of like yeah let's just get the little stuff right and yeah. it's gonna it's gonna there's, make a difference th- there's a there's a lot of really strange governing quota inside of especially feature filmmaking right and uh, in particular the military 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 movies have to have seven specific distinct designations that are different from what is real life hmm. and most people don't know that right oh. And so while you do want, you know, obviously stripes on upside down, what kind of dumbass does right, that? Yeah. But specifically, there have to be seven distinctions that are made inside of a uniform, for example. And so somewhere inside of this uniform, I, I don't know, I can't look at it and go, oh, and there they are. Right. But they're there. Yeah. And that is probably why you often see what looks like egregious right. problems inside of not only uniform making, but inside of anything that is structure like that. Yeah. And along that same thread, being that he's law enforcement background and wore a uniform and still does on occasion, he sees that, like, for me, watching the beginning part of the movie when they were in the comm center, I'm looking at every screen that's in front of her and seeing if anything looks like my screens. And I will say that their radio screen is exactly the same radio screen that I use here. Mm, That's cool. That was cool to me, too. I I dig that. Being able to put people into the element of what's being seen is easily one of the... I think requirements inside right. of a that's movie cool like this. until you're watching chips at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, this is a true story. You're watching chips at six o'clock in the morning. You look down at your radio and you're like, "Wait a minute, that's early '80s." I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm at 1998, 99. I got the same radio. What the? <laughs> that, that's a true story. Yeah, but the the elements of real life ness, especially as a professional inside of that, I I love that as well. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. So, what's the hardest part of the job? This is a wonderful question by one of the new probies that's filtering through, who, of course, it's the one insightful white kid. Right. (laughs) 
I thought there could have been a little bit of spreading out of the questions yeah. there, but Pat, what was his answer? Or uh, what was the, the answer? The answer given? was it was actually I think one of the things that's really to the point was not knowing the ending of the calls most of the time. And that's so true. Mm. As a dispatcher, there's so often that we take the call, we send the officers to the call, and then our part of it's over. Once they're there and on scene and handling the call, mm -hmm. we no longer have that open line, so we don't know what's going on, and we go on to our next calls. And we very rarely know the end of the call mm. or the rest of the story. Interesting. Say. Yeah. Very interesting. And up until recently, some of the officers come back and say, oh, this is what happened, or we can ask them and they'll tell us, but that's... That's one of the harder things is not well, knowing. I know that you and I have talked about that also, and I think it was just in a preamble a month or so ago. Mm -hmm. But it's that you do eventually, sometimes, get the end of the story. Right. Because I think that that's a, a crucial piece of that compartmentalization factor that you can put a period onto right. the end of the sentence that was at least somehow remotely involving you. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, me too. The Hive going dark. This is very interesting. In fact, I think the whole hive concept is very interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I always, again, I go back to where it's it's now 2003, and everybody's on edge about, ooh, another 9-11 is coming, and what are we going to do to prevent doom? And everybody looks at something like the hive and says, well, why wouldn't they hit here? Right. And you right. think to yourself, well, why would they hit there? Oh, my God, that's why they'd hit here. Yeah. When Pat brought it up earlier, too, about it being called the hive, because... Whenever Halle Berry walks in with her trainees and one of the new people says, why do they call it the hive? And she goes, listen. And all you hear is this hum. Of uh, the fluttering of going on. And yeah. everything going on. And that's true. Even though I'm from a very small dispatch center, it's still the heart of everything. I mean, it's the hive. And if we go dark, everything goes dark. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's very interesting. And again, I, what I love about movies like this is that it allows for anybody from a smaller entity like you guys mm -hmm. to another larger entity to see little glimpses right. of truth. And right. that is the good part of a movie like this. I love that. It's time to take a break here during the perspective review of 2013's The Call, starring Holly Berry, directed by Brad Anderson. We will be right back. Presidential Bio Podcast, the best presidential life snapshots ever. No matter which way you lean in politics, the fact is we have had and will continue to have American presidents. Learn more about them all, past, present, and future, with your host, Phil Tracy, as he takes you on a detailed and educational tour of each. Find out more about their early years, young adulthoods, political and professional careers, and the legacies of the men who have been elected president. Discover it all now with the Presidential Bio Podcast. That's presidentialbiopodcast.com. Baseball. It's way more than just balls and strikes. And if you've ever driven or walked by a cornfield and heard a small but vital voice urge you to act, then you've only got one thing left to do. Check out the Two Guys Talking Baseball perspective review of 1989's Field of Dreams. Starring Kevin Costner, a bunch of dead baseball players, memories, and the way to have a catch with your dad. Step up to the digital plate today by accessing twoguystalkingbaseball.com. Only from 
the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. It's not nearly as cool as the amber housing the ancient mosquito who had a taste of prehistoric dinosaur blood, but it does hold the thoughts of 1993's Jurassic Park, directed by Steven Spielberg. Be sure to check out a podcast 65 million years in the making by driving your custom branded Jeep over to twoguystalking.com forward slash Jurassic Park. It's the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of Jurassic Park. 1993, directed by Steven Spielberg. Only from Two Guys Talking. Everyone, welcome back to the Perspective Review of 2013's The Call, starring Holly Berry, directed by Brad Anderson. Before we went to break, we went through the considerable listing of good things inside this movie. Unfortunately, following the goods of every movie are the bad, inappropriate commercials at body discovered scene. That would be crackle. <laughs> This is something that we didn't run through, and this is probably an excellent time to to run through it. Pat, I understand you've now watched this twice. Once was on Crackle, unfortunately. Yes. And what was the other one? Uh, I I want to. I can't even remember. I don't know if it was DVD or what, but yeah. But it was something that didn't include inappropriate commercials. And by the way, eight of them. Okay, and so you don't remember how you watched it the first time? No, I I can't recall. Okay, and Lisa definitely was not in the movies. That's for sure. Okay, and Lisa, how did you watch this again? I found it on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Okay. I, too, wish I had found it on Amazon Prime because I did not find it on Amazon Prime. Instead, I used my Fire TV stick to find The Call, and it was listed as The Call Movie. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, there it is. Right. And so I, I click it, and it pops up, and it goes, hey, it's on Crackle. All right, no problem. So I download Crackle onto my television, and I get it, and I start watching, and it's awesome. And then without any warning at the discovery of the first body scene, in walks a commercial for Ashley Furniture's Black Friday sale. Well, what better way to sell furniture than after seeing the dead body? I mean, come it on, was, the, great sales pitch. This is, there's two things here. One, there was, do you guys remember like movie of the week on oh, television? Yeah, yes. Okay, and what you always remember is that if there wasn't instantly a place for it to break appropriately, they'd fade the picture to right, black. Yeah. Right, yeah. None of that. They'd prepare you for it. Instantaneous change out to get this Shea Lounge. You can put the dead body on it. Right. They may as well have said that because it was right there. Right. It was terrible. Double take. Right. The only second worst portion of the commercials, at least at this point, was that there were eight. Right. Eight 15 second commercials. Not nearly acceptable. And a total detour inside of my watching of this film. Hated that. This is definitively not the best movie for a father of a 16-year-old girl. I would say for the father of any year old girl. Yeah. I mean, take it and what it's for. But yeah, yeah, that's that's probably like your worst nightmarish fear. Yeah, this, this, and for those that don't know, I have a 16-year-old girl. And this is the nightmare scenario of any father that has a teen girl obsessed with her phone reasonably unaware of her surroundings and or with special needs or anything else that will allow a crazy to focus on them. This is not the movie for you. Well, you know what? It is. 
This is your awareness call. This is your wake-up call right. movie. Teach them situational awareness. There, there is no question. There, there are so many moments inside of this for not even just the girls that eventually get abducted and almost, uh, and then again, almost murdered. Mm-hmm. But for other people that are inside of it as well that give you a showcase of just absolutely how oblivious people are to things. And uh, Pat, I know you guys see this inside, inside of law enforcement all the time. Where something befalls somebody and they're like, I don't even know what happened. Right. I just yeah. suddenly was being beat over the head with a with a hockey stick. Right. And they don't know anything of what was going on either around them or even why. And situational awareness is something I, I always preach, especially inside of movies like this one. Mm-hmm. Because it literally is a matter of feet to be a victim right. and to not be a victim. Trunk releases. Now, I was ready to rail on this film because the car he's driving is nowhere near old enough to not have a trunk release. Right. So I'm like, that car's going to have a trunk release until I saw him rip one out of the other car. Right. right. And so obviously he would have ripped the one out of this car right. also. So I, I, I absolutely give it a pass. In fact, I like that later on inside the film, or yeah, later on inside the film, they she actually mentions the trunk release and right. that you can get out if you pull it. Yeah. And I dug that. I absolutely dug that. Right. I thought it was I thought that was incredibly well done. So going back to kind of those triggers when she kicks the one taillight out and she starts putting her hand out and doing the wave thing. Right. It brought me back. We actually had a real story. We had really? a uh, yeah, so we had a pizza wow. delivery guy who got basically thrown he kidnapped thrown in the back of the of a trunk and the oh, guy wow. steals his car while he's in the back of the trunk. <laughs> he ended up somehow getting the taillight out and had a flag and was waving a flag through the hole and that's what ended up what so now so we're getting flagged it down yeah flagged down the he, flag? he was flagging down people so basically that's what got the call of you know hey there's a guy in a trunk flagging and it got connected back to well it's this pizza delivery guy and we end up getting oh. a pursuit and mm. end up getting him out it was crazy though but yeah i mean that's the kind of things that as soon as i saw that chick waving her hand out i started thinking about that and it's just like uh, you know kind of interesting what i also I can't believe I'm saying I love watching the girl get kidnapped. It's so cool. (laughs) But what I love about this scene is that how odd that is. Look, a car. Why is there an arm sticking out of it? Right. Right. And it is that odd. It's like, look, you don't see that every day. Right. You surely don't see that every day. Right. And then Um, she even had, actually, it wasn't a bad plan when she started throwing the paint out. Yeah. It was almost like the the line, you know. Yes. I, 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 I absolutely love pieces like that, too, because it not only does it give you ideas in case you, too, are also right. abducted. Yeah. But it, it is another piece of the plan where, well, my God, who's not going to see fresh paint right. being poured out of the back of a car? That was great. Hot on-the-spot call transitions. All right. So, again, I know nothing about your job. But if you're in the middle, and I'm talking about like dire middle of a call okay. where somebody is is on the edge of your voice between doom and not doom. Hey, let's switch you out quick. No. Okay. Not going to happen. And that killed me. Yeah. That absolutely killed me inside of this. There was no rhyme or reason Mm-mm. for which to swap out, especially in the middle. Right. No. And or at least it wasn't showcased. If they'd have said something along the lines of what Pat said, where, my God, she's been at this for eight right. and a half hours, right. yeah. and it's time to swap her out, what do you think? Oh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. We should probably do that. And then they go over there and they you know, they give her the quick hands out sign or whatever. The thing is, too, if you're on a hot call like that, how do you, how do you explain to your 
victim on the other end of the phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been here 10 hours, so yeah. I need to speak about <laughs> <laughs> you just built a rapport my, with them. My boss is railing on my time card this right. week. So yeah. sorry. See ya. Uh, that, that bugged me. And again, I... I would rather have the minutia of something like that than we just rip her out of the middle of the call. Right. I really didn't care for that. <laughs> the Imperioli factor. My God, guys, that's that that that's Michael Imperioli from from what's the name of the show? The Sopranos. From the Sopranos. That's right. awesome. There's no way he's going to die. Oh, no, he's gonna live. He dies twice in this film. Right. Twice. What in the hell? Was this? Was this just a paycheck grab for Michael I don't Imperioli? Know, but none of them were a good death either, though. He no. got bashed over the head with a shovel. Then he, I mean, he literally just gets stabbed. Well, the, the, the second know? one I yeah. thought was tremendous. It looked like something out of a out of a mobster hit movie. Right. Yeah. Right. He had a wonderful death expression, right. but my God, we've just murdered Michael Imperioli for no particular reason with no screen time at all. Right. Oh, did I hate that? And it's not because I needed him to be the hero at the end, but I definitively did not want him to be the semi-warm body dead twice. Right. Oh, that killed me. No glove love. A huge hatred from Mike Wilkerson brain inside of just about anything nowadays is where are the gloves on all of these people touching things? Right. Yeah. All of I'm And I, when I say all everybody, I'm talking all. If we go to my car right now, I've got three different sets of gloves in my car. Yeah. And I'm not a cop. I just have a, a first aid kit in my car. Right. right. So if I got them, why don't the people that are investigating a crime scene? And so that that absolutely kills everything like this. There's no reason at all anybody should be touching anything that doesn't have a glove on. Right. I think that's just more the Hollywood it just doesn't look clean if he's oh. wearing gloves. Why? We don't want them all to wear gloves. I think it's that they just don't have them on site. I really, yeah, I wish too. it was something more, but I yeah. think that's it. That are like the only ones they have are those stupid blue looking ones. Yeah. They don't have the kick ass. I look like a prowler black ones. Right. Yeah. And so they don't use them. But my God, go buy a box of those. They they cost nine bucks. Right. Utilizing the abductor's name and circumstance. Inside of the film, Holly literally says, inside the film, eventually, the crazy gets on the phone, and she knows it. She can hear him breathing. Mm -hmm. And so Holly chooses to use the abductor's name and circumstance inside of the call. Right. And again, I know nothing about your job, Lisa, mm -hmm. but I was horrified that this was a piece of mechanism. Yeah, it, it kind of bothered me, too, because now he knows that you're on to who he is, where he's from. And have all of his stats. So what's not going to keep him from killing her right now? It's instant game stakes yeah. changer. Pat, Pat, I know that you can comment about this. Yeah, and the, the, the I'm kind of torn about this just because here, here's how I'll throw this into okay. it. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll relate just like an active shooter or something. You okay. know, at this point in time, what, what are we trying to do? We're trying not to let that guy kill her. So one thing is, is maybe she's trying to personalize him. Maybe she's trying to, hey, I know who you are. You're a person. You have a family. You know, I, I think at that point you could see some of the maybe what they were trying to get at is sometimes you got to do what you got to do just to try and get that person to not kill her. So I mean, I can see how you're looking at it. Well, not now we've given up. Now the guy we know who he is. He's gonna kill her. But maybe we're trying to personalize him now so he won't kill her. So I can see how they maybe threw that in there because you're just kind of throwing something else. 
I think that that's a I think that's fair and valid. The problem is that we're we're stacking blocks on top of an already ridiculously shaky foundation. Right. Yeah. The the whole thing of him having to kill Michael Imperioli's character. Right. And then taking off in his car. Right. I, to me, that's instant game changer and everything. Right. I think I think that the gloves come off literally with that. Right. Where he he literally except to get her reasonably supple skull cap. Right. Yeah. That's the only reason that he's keeping her alive. And that was good that they at least showcased that. Because yeah. I'm like, why on earth are they bothering to keep her alive? Right, yeah. right. I-, I was really happy that they inserted that. In fact, that probably should have been on the good list. This was horrifying. And again, it's horrifying because I'm a reasonably layperson. Other than having called 911 several times in my life, I am not a 911 operator. But I saw no value at all in stoking the fires of, hey, Michael. Man, those are some nice kids you got. Right. I'm right. so happy that the police officers met them at your house. You'll never be able to go again. Right. Now, do you feel like you're at the end of your rope? Okay, go ahead and kill her. He may as well have said all this. She may as well have said all this. Right. That's exactly how I took it too. Okay, I, and I, I'm so happy that I'm not alone there because yeah. well, no, really and like felt I said, I, that's how I took it too. But I'm just looking at it as maybe a different angle too. You know, because again, you know, you never know. And yeah. I don't think that's what they were trying to do with it. I think they were trying to, oh, let's do this. Well, it was it was absolutely Hollywood amping. There's right. no question. Yeah. And I just again, it's the it's the it's the puffing out of Hollywood chest to yeah. puff out Hollywood chest, and I hate that. <laughs> Breaking into the home after the address is secured. Now, unless I'm mistaken, and I'm not going to go back and look at my crackle version of the call, but if I'm not mistaken, the cops just break in the door and go and start hunting. That's not what happens inside of law enforcement, is it, Pat? Well, no. Especially but in this case. Now let's let's put a twist on this too. Now let's we now we know for sure that this guy's in this house with this girl. Then they not, don't though. The yeah, car's right, not there. Right. So yeah. So no, you can't just. I mean, you got to you got to secure warrants. It's going to be a instant lawsuit. Right. Is and and more than likely, they're not just going to roll. You know, they're going to stake the place out. The car's not there. All right, let's stake the place out. Let's get warrants. I mean, it's going to be They're methodical. They're going to go get a fake pizza guy to go, hey, did you guys right. order a cheese and sausage pizza? Right. You know, UPS guy is going to come to the door. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. All that. Right. And, yeah, and, and they and just that's... don't go kicking in doors. Like I said, unless they actually, <laughs> the car was there. They're they're pinging the phone. We know that the guy yeah, is there with the girl. The now we're kicking doors yeah, in, yeah, yeah. you know, because yeah. we're, we're saving lives at that point. But yeah, that it yeah. just we're on the same page there, where the wife is literally serving dinner to the kids, and right. we're going to Gestapo in the house. Right. No, no, no. The obstruction claim inside the house. All right, so big, beautiful black man. In a in a uniform, right, decides to whip out the obstruction claim charge inside with the wife when nothing has been done other than she recognizes that they are police officers, right. demanding to know where the husband is. Yeah, huge problem, and I, I, I can't. I, I'm I'm trying to imagine the officer that would do that, even if it was well, we've got to find where the victim is. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Yeah, I th- but you again, can't do that. Yeah, again, I think it's just the Hollywood, you know. How, how can we make this more Hollywood up, you know? Oh, let's threaten let's threaten the wife. We're going to take her to jail because, you know, I mean. With the kids, in her apron. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I hated that. I hated all that. <laughs> Insta breach of the cabin? This was another lunacy moment. Right, yeah. This I mean, is where they, same, it accidentally. Same thing, you know. Yeah, it accidentally kind of makes sense that they're there. 
and that there may be a piece of the cabin that maybe they want to go to. Right. But again, what, but what full on right. what proof football you, stadium? What in? proof no. do you have? He's there. She's there. I mean, <laughs> nothing, you know? Yeah. Oh, I hated that. I hated that because this starts to stack all of that crap part of Hollywood. But then that, the back it just goes film. back to me. So, okay, let's say real life what we do. They do the search warrant. They search it. It was almost like, all right, they bust in, and now five minutes later, we're all gone. It's all good. You know, like, we're just going to leave. You know, it's like, okay, come on. You know, they're going to be there probably for hours because that guy's tied to the cabin. So they're well, going to be and, searching for right. evidence. And none of them are crime scene people. Right. Yeah. They're all so, just I mean, people. For, breaking for them in. to like break in and all of a sudden now that they're gone <laughs> and, you know, it's all quiet on the front, you know, that's where the guy's hidden in his little lair. It's like, come on, really? Yeah. I I had a huge problem with that. In fact, the whole back end of this film was just yeah, that's, terribly, that's where terribly it went to, Yeah, it's just, it was brutal. Jordan investigates, breaks and enters, trespasses, and again, no glove love at all. This killed me. I, the, the first thing is... What in the hell is a nine one one dispatcher doing any of this? Yeah, Lisa. What? What? Let's let's try and go there. What? Well, let me. How many times have you gone on. to? Yeah. Well, how many times have you gone to investigate anything? Let's see. Uh, never. <laughs> Not once have I ever investigated anything. The, My this... investigating is all behind the computer. I can find anything you want on a computer, <laughs> and I'll hand it over to the ones in the capes and yeah. say, "You go here." Yeah, this this, this was the piece it. of this is the largest piece of lunacy pie I yeah. had that you want. Oh. Yeah. At the end of the movie where it made not only no sense this is where holly berry instantly gets out of her element yeah yes. because she does not do scared doe eyes and i'm scared to death yeah. very well for no reason right uh, she she just doesn't do it well and the rest it was all very very much downhill yeah and then again no 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 glove love right None. Are, yeah. are, are you a po- police officer or uh, i guess not well yeah i mean she, yeah <laughs> Not just inappropriate commercials, but now there's no transition in or out. So all of this stuff where it's super quiet, we're not sure what's going on. Right. I'm not sure if you know, but what's behind this door? What's behind this door is it's time for the Ashley Furniture Black Friday sale. (laughs) Terrible. Yeah. Was absolutely terrible. And the commercials got more and more frequent towards the end right. of the movie. Right, when you're actually trying to build some suspense. Absolutely abhorrent. Yeah. I will never be watching Crackle again yeah. because of it. It's no. terrible. Yeah. No backup Instacall. Uh, there's, to be honest, there's one thing I love. When the phone does drop down the tunnel. The front end of the tunnel. Right. I do love that part where it lands and then the thing lights up with this massive icon. That, there is no icon that big on a phone, by the way, right. that says, no signal. Right. So, okay, that's kind of a cool bit in that there's no signal down in the lair. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy that. I, I can do that. That's cool. But then the rest is crap. Right. She might go and retrieve the phone, which she should, and then... Crawl back up the ladder right. and make the phone call to get backup. Right. And that none of that happens is a complete departure of common sense for this movie. <laughs> Curiosity kills the clumsy cat woman. This was terrible. Yeah. There should be no investigation or 
seeky seeky hunt out inside of this movie at all I mean, by Holly Berry. What do no. we think we're gonna find? I mean, I just well, what not, is she gonna do? Right, I just don't understand the whole point of that part. There, okay. Hey, look, it's the girl. Oh, and the crazy. Right. Now, I might understand if she were an ex-cop that became dispatcher, and trying to investigate but even that and had a gun or something jeez yes i I, the 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 having no plan part again gets back to self-awareness where if anybody should have some really great self-awareness it's this lady right right she talks to people who are not aware of anything that's going on around them right and so you would hope hope of all hopes that this lady would have some semblance of anything commonsensical and it's just not here Everyone raise your hand if you think Holly Berry is not wearing perfume. Right. Right. Hmm. So guess what Mr. Crazy would smell if he was two and a half feet from Holly Berry? It would be whatever awesome perfume she's and smell she emits right. you know she's because she is Holly Berry. Because she's making out with her boyfriend. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, come on. Or his cologne smell. Right. Something. 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 Yeah. Something. Somebody that is in the instance of Holly Berry who yeah. just had her, still has her jacket on, that is a gorgeous woman who wants to impress men, is going to have something on her that instantly smells like something other than the lair. death. Right. right. The death layer. And that that blew me away. And that would have been at least something remotely interesting to happen right. inside the lair where yeah, the guy can literally go. smells her. <laughs> What's that? And then she, now we can have the freak out moment right. of her going, oh, my God, I shouldn't have put my obsession on. Right. Oh, I hated that. <laughs> Is three blows enough? Is murder justified? So let's take the first part of the question. After three blows, Mr. Crazy falls. Anyone up for a fourth? Because I know I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I, sure. I would lay waste yeah. to the back of that guy's head. And it's not. It's because I would fear for myself, for right. one. Right. But mm-hmm. two, I'm in the lair of some crazy guy, and I know that that's him. Yeah. And he literally just about scalped this girl. So, I mean, you've, you've just seen that. So, I mean, that's... Yeah. And so, if we get to the second part of the question, is murder justified? In a court... On any planet, just about every state. Right, yeah. With the exception of some of our wonderful ones. Right. You would probably have no problem at all with murder. Right. And I that's what I don't get. If if you're gonna go this distance, give us that. Right. And they didn't give us that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely murder would be justified. Right. So that just kinda leads me back to the whole serial killer job title as it as it may be or whatever it is who at one point would want to be a serial killer you know i mean for at some point in time you have to just know you know that your your occupation pretty much is what like a planned obsolescence right oh yeah kind of like an apple phone you know sooner sure. or later you have to get a newer version right and they're oh, gonna yeah. they're gonna expire because not many serial killers live that long you know but, so they're gonna you know, get whacked right I, I think that i think that this serial killer inside of this movie is the perfect sample a planned obsolescence. Oh, ob- absolutely. He, he's the guy that you, you know he's just not going to last very long. Oh, yeah. No. Especially when he goes off the rails and, and just willy-nilly and just killing you know, our favorite guy there you know, from The Sopranos. I mean, right there, that was, that was when you knew. <laughs> Didn't he recognize him? My right. God, that's I mean, that's when you know that's that okay. You? The guy's not, he's not going to survive this. <laughs> Tony's right? not going to appreciate that right, very much, yeah. dude. <laughs> Standing and waiting over the body 
Oh, hold up. What's this? This is a bad Friday the 13th movie is what it was. It is. I mean, you come are, on. You, really? you, couldn't, have, you yeah. couldn't have said it more perfectly. Right. I mean, come on. We're going to stand over the body of Jason right now after he's been knifed, stabbed. It's like, do we really need that? And, and it killed me. It, it killed me that what was a reasonably intelligent film within the span of 11 and a half minutes. Just went downhill It quickly. went right into the toilet of Hollywood. Right. And it, it's what pangs me to get involved in watching a movie like this, where I'm like, wow, you know, this isn't too... Oh, Holly Bear. Oh, really? Michael Imperioli. Right. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, you know what? This is reasonably engaging. What in the hell happened? Right. And I hate that. I hate that when you get to an end of a movie like this. He pegs that she's... The operator? Yeah, I'm not buying that. I'm, it's, it, that'd be a hard sell for me. For, for those that can't see my absolute quiet and disgust face, I don't. I'm, I got nothing. I've got absolutely yeah, that, nothing. That was wow. even a more of a reach, I think. Just to... It's incredibly dramatic. It's incredibly Hollywood, but it has right. no semblance of reality. No. Of the things that guy would care about, you know what would be on the least factor page? Right, that she's the 911 operator. I mean... I, I'm flabbergasted. It was flabbergasting that that was the last gasp of this movie. The only thing worse? <laughs> the integrity question is offered. This is where I think everybody's got to dig deep because nobody wants to see the crazy live, right? Everyone wants the crazy to get his because he should get his because son of a bitch, right? He killed Michael Imperioli. Right. And so you, you do have to put is murder justified here? And can you take the integrity test and pass the integrity test at the end where instead of, bashing him another couple of times in the back of the head while he's unconscious, killing him. You then choose to ding, 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 wait until he wakes up after he's been restrained in a chair and lock him in the lair forever. Really? Right. Yeah. Again, just, yeah. So wrong. And, and that's kind of, again, when we take the teeter totter of what you see and want to see in regard to, especially a professional, 911 operator. Right. She's just all of a sudden going to go off the rails and now, hey, you know what? I think I'll just let this guy sit here and starve to death and, I, and whatnot. I, 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 w- I was flabbergasted. It was the second big flabbergast of this because you the integrity call has to come into question. And if she'll do it as a professional police officer or tethered to the police, right. then why wouldn't every other police person that's tethered to the police department? And that's the picture that I know why we do whatcopswatch.com programming is because that's not what happens. Right. The man would be brought to justice or he would be neutralized, one right. of the two. And, and the point, it would not be this, we're going to torture matter him is, by locking him back in. When she's fighting him, she has every right to do what she needs to do at that point. But once it's over, it's over. Right. Now we not, we're not going to go back and, you know, oh, by the way, we'll just throw one right in the back of his head or something, or we'll tie him up to a chair or whatever and, it is. And lock him in the lair where no one's right. ever going to find him. Right. Yeah. No, we're not We're not going to do that. And I, I, I hope everybody gets that. It's not that I don't... I love me to watch bad guys get theirs. I love it. But especially when we're talking about someone in the professional capacity of Holly Berry in this situation. Right. It is integrity. Right. It is a true integrity call. And it just, I mean, it just doesn't fit the character. No. I mean, I mean you're, you're going from this character who cares and answers these calls, helps these people, and then all of a sudden now she's just this person. It just didn't fit at all. Yeah. 
the, I, I think the, the nail in the coffin, I think, was when she leans back in and uses his phrase. I thought that that was even more stupid. Yeah, like that's because now he's empowering her as she leaves, right. or she's empowering him. Right. So what's what's the call? Uh, what's the call to? Is now she the killer? I mean, is that the, the twist we're gonna have? I I've, I don't know. That would have been know? even more horrifying. Right. When dispatchers go wild. Right. <laughs> what better serial killer than a dispatcher? The, the, there's so much good they to lay at the live. end. Yeah, at the end of this story. And it never gets the chance, yeah, no. because of the last eleven minutes of the right, movie. Right, it all went down, and they it, they so could have easily have tied into the boyfriend and used the boyfriend as the, hey, I have this information. Why don't you go check it out? You know, it'd be more viable to okay, everybody's busy. He's the only cop that's going out. He's going to go, and then he could walk in all this. It'd be way more plausible and believable than the hey, I'm just going to go out and drive around and see what happens. You know. Well, and I think the other thing is that because Holly chooses to leave him locked in there, now there's no period end of the sentence for that other family. Right. None of it. Right. And because she could never direct anybody there. Right. Because if they did, they'd go, wait, wait a minute. Why is this guy still here? Why are your fingerprints all over the place in here? Mm -hmm. Not to mention of... How many other bodies or body pieces or body oh, parts body are there parts. that right. we may tie? Knew right, and we may right. tie too. Now there's five other missing girls that, hey, you know what? Now we found we have closure, but we'll never know. Yeah, that again, those those things kill me towards right. the end of this movie. The franchise. Now, as we stated, this movie made money, made money right. outright. Right. And what you have to look at: why didn't this have a follow-up or a sequel, even though it made money? I think we've just identified why this didn't have a follow-up. Yeah. There was nowhere to go. No. Nope. Right. There's no way for her to come back into the fold being no. this besmirched right. support agent for the police department to then do something else that's right. traumatic. If they would have been a little bit more knowledgeable of it, they could have ended it with her turning the bad guy in, you know, and then, hey, let's have a sequel. Something else happens. Similar. And she's the call taker now again, you know. More believable. Uh, and it could have been that whole thing where now there's three movies. Right. And each one stacks on top of each other right. and it's a franchise. Thankfully, I think, we don't have any of that. Right. Ah, the rating for this film, 2013's The Call, starring Holly Berry, directed by Brad Anderson. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. A sandwich filled with integrity and potential sequels. A one is on the bottom of the scale. Kind of what you see at the end of this movie. A seven is where everything starts as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Lisa, Pat, there are no halvesies. Pat, what do you got? Well, again, like we said, if we would leave out the last 11 minutes, I'd almost give it a seven. But you have to include the 11 minutes. So that's going to bring it down to a four. Yeah. I mean, that's just my honest rating. And I think, you know, if... You're looking for something out of this movie. You're probably not going to get it. I would agree with that. I would sadly agree with that, yeah. too. Lisa, what do you got? Well, and I agree with him, too. If it wasn't for the last 11 minutes, it, it was pushing a 7. But for me, not quite a 4, but I'll give it a 5. Mm. Mm. I think that's well said. I, I think that the juice of a movie is that could you watch it again? And unfortunately, looking around the table, I no. see nods no. in no direction. Yeah, right. Not. And... That's the whole thing of movie dumb, folks. Is is it something that anybody would ever want to take in again, much less watch it the first time? Right. And I would tell everyone to watch this at least once because you'll get a good taste of at least some of the 
grassroots yeah, foundation. Yeah, you get a little bit, a little bit of maybe what it is to be a, a 911 operator. You get yeah. a, a glimpse, you know, a little yes. bit of glimpse. Yeah. Unfortunately, where it, it spirals into is, for me, a four. Right. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this film, 2013's The Call, starring Holly Berry, directed by Brett Anderson? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. Again, that's whatcopswatch.com. Click anywhere inside the web form, fill it out, and tell us what you would rate this film. Oh, my God. That was fun. It's always fun running through what goes on inside of the perspective reviews here during the What Cops Watch series. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Pat Doring, a co-host. And I'm Lisa Mark, a better co-host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. something that didn't include inappropriate commercials commercials. by the way eight of them yeah (laughs) right that's right go ahead need to cough some more i do go for it (coughs) this is the sound of a real 911 dispatcher coughing into the microphone (laughs) excuse me i have a chicken leg stuck in my throat